Okay, we're uh, we're back at it. Many guys who aren't from Oklahoma, Bernie, you have no idea. We don't like them. It's personal. We got a logo too. We've been working on one for 18 years, and, and we want everybody in the country to know, with all due respect, we got a logo too. We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I'm Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby Powell. Colby, how you doing on this Friday? Uh, doing great. It's been a good week. The sun is finally going to come out. We're going to go from basically rainy winter to hot, sunshiny summer, which is how we tend to do it here in the state of Oklahoma. Just in time for Bedlam softball, too, this weekend in Stillwater. So hopefully it's the perfect time for Gajewski's crew to turn things around. Finally, gosh, the weather's been wreaking havoc on all our spring sports, and it's been pouring down rain. Obviously, it's always severe weather season, but yeah, I'm good. it's good to see the sun again. I felt like we were living in Seattle there for a minute. Yeah, no doubt. I've been trying to play some golf, as I do, and it's been tough. I actually tried to play yesterday, which was a mistake. Tried to play yesterday morning. <laughs> we, we thought we had a window. We looked at the forecast, and it said <laughs> that the rain chances were not above like 20% from 9 a.m. to 2 p.m. So we teed off at 930 we got nine holes in, then we started getting dumped on, had to had to bring it in. So it was an unsuccessful attempt as the rain came in a bit early. I love that when you're on a group text like that and everyone thinks they know more about the weather, their forecast, their app they use, their every every dude, one, thinks they're better at golf than they really are, and two, thinks they're better at reading the weather maps than they really are. Uh yes, hundred percent. And I probably fall into both of those categories, I'll admit it. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm a I'm a lifelong Oklahoman. I, I feel like I'm a an expert. I feel like I could do the forecast myself, but uh, that's neither here nor there. Uh, before we get into everything that's going on with the NFL draft and much more, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com. Well, Colby, we've got a lot to catch up on. We got the NFL draft, which took place. Two Cowboys went. We also have some news regarding the Big 12 and my man, Brett Yormark, just making moves left and right. But let's start with the uh, NFL draft. You know, never a super busy time for Oklahoma State Athletics. They don't typically have a ton of draft picks, but um, Tyler Lacey goes in the fourth round, 130 overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Jason Taylor goes in the seventh round, the final round. It's always a debate there whether you'd rather be a free agent, but nonetheless, he gets drafted by the Rams to LA. But uh, let's start with Tyler Lacey, Colby, a guy that you know we've talked a ton about throughout his career. Feels like he was at Oklahoma State for about nine years and was really a, a productive player on the defensive line. I think he kind of ushered in along with, you know, Joe Bob Clements. You know, we Oklahoma State's defensive line had kind of waned a bit in, in recent years. I remember Ugo Chinasa and really just Emmanuel Ogba after him were the, really the, the main headliners uh, once you get past, um, obviously, the 2011 crews, you know, kind of an aberration. But the defensive line, really, the resurgence of it, I think, was led by a guy like Tyler Lacey. He was versatile. He's huge, 6'4", 283. Uh, Colby, I, I'm surprised by this. I kind of thought he'd go in the sixth round, fifth round at best, and the, the Jacksonville Jaguars obviously liked what they saw on tape and took him in the fourth. Yeah, based on what kind of people were saying, this seems like uh, he, he went higher than where he was valued pre-draft, but a lot of that stuff, especially once you get down in the lower rounds, we don't really know what these teams are thinking. We don't know which guy has made an impact, and Jacksonville seems like a pretty good spot because it's a young and up-and-coming team. They're, they're not, you know loaded at defensive line he's gonna have a chance to play as a fourth round pick and it seems like every time we talked about Tyler Lacey uh during his last couple years at Oklahoma State it was just about how he was the do everything guy and no matter what was happening around him you knew that you could count on Tyler Lacey to be where 
he needed to be, when he needed to be there. And I think Jacksonville is a great spot. I think that that team is going to be in the playoffs for years to come. I think he's going to be playing in big-time, meaningful games if he's able to show something, make the roster, uh, and get himself onto the field. Even even if his first year or two in the league, he just kind of provides some depth whenever their starters rotate out and he can get in there and do some things. Um, He's very versatile. You can use him pretty much across the defensive line anywhere you need to, uh, depending on your system and how you want to. So I think that Jacksonville is a great fit for him, uh, and I hope that we get to watch him play some big-time playoff football down there. Yeah, they, they run that 3-4, and I think that's the place he kind of needed to go, being as, as big as he is, playing more on the outside a little bit. I think that's a perfect landing spot for him, a team that you know has been up and down lately with you know Urban Meyer kind of set them back a bit, but they played really well down the stretch last year, and uh, I think I like what Jacksonville's doing there with Trevor Lawrence, and uh, they they got Calvin Ridley for for cheap with his gambling suspension. So that's a that's a fun place to be. Although we won't get to see him much on TV, that's a disappointing thing for me, Colby. Uh, yeah. Well, it depends on which TV you watch because um, YouTube TV is the the direct owner of Sunday Ticket now. And I'm oh, your- did you make the switch? Um, so I've been with YouTube TV for a couple of years. Uh-huh. And I've just been watching Red Zone. I used to have Sunday Ticket with DirecTV, and I've got the three TV set up now. I uh, I might have to do it. I might have to talk my wife into pulling the trigger on going back to the full Sunday Ticket. Well, good luck. I hear it's expensive. Uh, it's not cheap, but I'm a pretty good salesman. You know, my dad was a salesman. My mom was a salesman. I grew up around salesmen. I I can make a pretty strong pitch. I can I can hear that. I can hear the pitch now. But um, I'll, I'll stick to Red Zone. That's my favorite. I I don't have a favorite team i don't really care to watch an entire game in its entirety i I just like bouncing around to the highlights for my fantasy team so i'll stick to red zone but a guy that might appear on red zone is jason taylor the playmaker you know we all know his his gifted nature around the football uh he goes to hollywood from from carl albert high school that's quite a it's quite a change going from carl albert to stillwater to los angeles but uh, a team Really, the Rams that are in flux, they just traded away uh, Jalen Ramsey, one of the best corners in the league. Uh, Who knows about Matt Stafford's availability this year? Uh, So the Rams really in flux, but they also added uh, the guy from TCU, Traverius Hodges Tomlinson. So some some familiarity there for Jason Taylor in the Big 12 with uh, the, the TCU Horned Frog joining him there. Yeah, I think that that could be a decent landing spot for him. Uh, Obviously, sixth-round pick, you've got to go out and make the roster, show that you belong out there. But the Rams are in a weird, weird spot right now. They went all in to win that Super Bowl, and they a lot of things went their way for them to win that Super Bowl. But they got the ring, and now I think they're trying to kind of figure out how they make sure that they can stay on solid footing moving forward. Uh, Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup went down with the injury last year, but some guys have moved on. Uh, You don't know how long Aaron Donald's going to continue to play. Uh, how long McVay wants to coach. But if McVay's around, I, I have a hard time thinking that they're just going to go in the tank. The, the owner likes to spend money. Um, you know, they don't worry too much about draft picks. They try to get guys to help them win now. And um, so hopefully if he can make the roster and get out there, it'll be a Rams team that can at least flirt with the playoffs. I, I don't think they're anything close to what they were two years ago. I think that's pretty obvious with some of the roster turnover. Uh, but if they can just even be a, a playoff contending team, that could be a good spot for Jason Taylor, who I, I think – Carson, even in the NFL, he's just a guy who seems to be in the right place at the right time all the time. And he was that way at Oklahoma State, even when he wasn't a starter. He would come off the bench uh, when, when Trey Sterling went down or something, and he was ready to go every single time. So uh, I think that he'll stick around in the NFL because he's a playmaker, and those guys are very valuable. Yep. He also made a big impact on special teams. That's when we first kind of started to hear his name, and I think that's where 
if he wants to stick on a roster, that's the that's the best place to do it for him initially. And who knows, he might he might work his way into the into the starting lineup. And we all remember Chris Carson was go- a seventh round draft pick as well. I think we were probably saying similar things about him going in the seventh round. And the fact that you know he had an opportunity, and uh, if he's given a chance, he, he might make some waves. And I think Jason Taylor has a real opportunity to do that because you can teach a lot of things in football. You know, you can teach schemes, you can teach how to you know, work zone coverage, man coverage, and and all those things, and all the intricacies of playing at the NFL level. What you can't teach are ball instincts. That that some of that's God given. I, I I kind of equate that to pocket presence, quarterbacks. You know, sometimes that's just innate. It's in you. It's something you've learned throughout your entire career that really is it's hard to teach somebody. And I I think that'll prove valuable for him. I think that might show up in camp, and that's. Face it. Let's face it, Colby. This, a year ago, this time when when Malcolm Rodriguez went to the, the Lions, you know we we had no idea what was going to happen. But you know what did happen? He got on the field and he started making plays, and that's what I expect Jason Taylor to do. That's what he's done his whole career. Yeah, exactly. Like you said, the instincts that can't be taught. Instincts are are instincts, uh, and Jason Taylor has them. He's always around the ball. Um, interceptions that because it's not fluky i mean sometimes you get a tip ball right to you but jason taylor knows where to be uh and he's got great hands i mean how often did you see jason taylor drop an interception it was very rare if he gets a chance to get his hands on a football chances are he's coming down with it so um obviously the nfl is a, a big step up you're surrounded by the absolute elites in the world but i think jason taylor can be one of those guys from what we've seen uh during his time at oklahoma state he's a guy i'll be excited to watch i just really hope that he makes the roster because um I think a lot of what makes him special is in-game stuff, just knowing where to be and when to be there. So uh, hopefully he makes the roster and then he can impress in-game on the field. What was that game he had the interception where it looked like he blew out his knee? Uh, I was I was thinking of that exact play. I think it was the Texas game. Don't hold yeah. me to that. I think it was the Texas game. That was like, if a wide receiver had made that catch, I still would have to rewind it and ask myself, how in the world did he catch that? Like, it, it was one of those. To your that's point, that's the, the one that stuck out in my mind, too. That's the play I had in my head when I said, this guy doesn't drop interceptions. That's the exact play I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. We're all, we're all going to – man, he loved playing Texas, right? Remember the one in Austin the year before? Yeah, uh, pick six. The, the pick six that really turned in the entire season around, led them to the Fiesta Bowl. That's, that's something that will probably be in the first paragraph of his, uh, his career bio. Yeah, for sure. At Oklahoma State, that was a big one in uh, – Maybe the best season ever in school history. One of the best seasons. Yeah, I don't. I don't anyway. buy that. I still say 2011. You got to win a conference championship. I'm sorry. I, I love the Fiesta Bowl, but in reality, it it's a meaningless bowl game like the ones that aren't for a national championship. Really, it's not in the playoff. Yeah, I don't know. I'd go full meaningless, but it it wasn't 2011. Well, meaningless sorry. is strong, but if you want to really categorize what it means, <laughs> it means the same as all the other bowl games that aren't in the playoff. Technically, on paper. Technically, yes. I, I just experiencing it, going through it, being on that ride with that team, that was infinitely more fun uh, than whenever you win eight games and you go to the Alamo Bowl and you beat Colorado. The, 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 the other season was infinitely more fun, and I do think that that matters for a team, a fan base, a program. Yeah, for sure. I mean, winning, winning BCS or whatever they – what do they call them now? Big Six? New Year's uh, Six. New Year's Six Bowls, yeah. Winning those are important, obviously. Uh, but you know, NFL draft, just two Cowboys taken. There was some, some free agent additions as well. Lamont Bishop going to the Seahawks, Tanner Brown, the kicker going to the Rams as well. He's got a teammate there as well. In addition to Jason Taylor, I'm curious to see Tanner Brown healthy or I'm, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of Alex Hale. I'm curious to see Tanner Brown at the next level. He, he kind of evolved Colby into really, I mean, 
I don't want to say the words Dan Bailey on this podcast. I'm not, I'm not going there, but my goodness, was he reliable and going from a walk on to really a lights out kicker that I thought should have been up for the Groza. Yeah, he was unbelievable. I, I just remember, um, I think he got some bullets throughout the season because he was just, when things started to go wrong for Oklahoma state football, there was one guy who, when he ran out there, I mean, you kind of knew three points were going up on the board, and it didn't matter if it was a a 27-yarder or a 46-yarder. Tanner Brown was really reliable. I'll be curious to see what he does. I'm also – Braden Johnson was very inconsistent, and I don't know that he's going to be able to make a roster. He kind of feels more like a practice squad guy. But Buffalo is an interesting place just because he does have that high-end speed when he's healthy. Um, And with a quarterback like Josh Allen – I mean, even if he's just a guy who gets called up from the practice squad in week seven because somebody's hurt, something like that, just so that he can run a go route and make the safeties respect the deep ball, I I think that maybe that's an interesting position for him uh, if he can stick around on a practice squad and then maybe find his way onto a roster midseason because his speed will entice some people. No, it will, and I'm glad you brought that up. He goes to the Buffalo Bills – as a guy who had Gabe Davis on his fantasy team, and I'm I'm in a few keeper oh. leagues, you know, I, I kind of monitor the draft to see kind of what competition for targets. You know, I'm I'm constantly monitoring the fantasy world. And a lot of the things I was reading was that this was a great draft for Gabe Davis and that they didn't add a ton of receiving talent. I'm looking at their depth chart now. They lost uh, – they got rid of uh, Isaiah McKenzie. He's gone. And really – Dawson Knox is their tight end. They drafted a tight end that'll get a lot of targets. But you look at their receiver roster. I mean, Khalil Shakir's there still, but it's a real opportunity for a guy like Braden Johnson. This is not some roster where they're four deep with veterans that are proven at this level. They're, it looks pretty wide open after you get past the, the two big boys in uh, Stephon Diggs, Gabe Davis. I mean, that's I, and this is was the point I was making earlier. We bring this up, up up every year at the draft. You know, Jason Taylor didn't get to pick where he went with the Rams although it's seemingly as a good landing spot. But this is why, as a free agent for Braden Johnson, this is why you kind of want to be a free agent. You kind of decipher the depth chart of each roster and really kind of pick your best opportunity to to not only make the practice squad, but hopefully make the team. Yeah, 100%. And if you've got a quarterback like Josh Allen who can throw it 70 yards and you're trying to decide uh, <laughs> which receiver, which which guy should be the last receiver on our roster, why don't you just both line up, run as fast as you can, and let's see who can get the furthest down the field the quickest. Uh, and that might be Braden Johnson. I'll, I'll say this. Brock Martin goes to the uh, Las Vegas Raiders as an unrestricted free agent. Undrafted free agent, pardon me. I understand that Brock Martin is maybe not your prototypical NFL guy. Man, he is just a tough dude, a wrestler. He tackles, Carson. Brock Martin tackles. He is tough. Um, I don't want to go full homer here and say, this guy's going to make a roster. This guy's going to make a roster. They're not all going to make rosters. That's not how it works in the NFL. This is the absolute best of the best. But Brock Martin feels a little Malcolm Rodriguez-y where maybe he gets overlooked because he's not the prototypical size and doesn't have some of the measurables, but he's just a football player. And, man, I hope that I hope that he has a chance uh, to show some of that stuff off. Me too. And it's interesting that he goes to the Raiders. Uh, obviously, living in Vegas is, is pretty fun. But Max Crosby, a guy you can really learn some things from, one of the best defensive ends in the NFL, also on that roster. I believe he's from Texas, too, so you have a little bit of a regional tie there uh, with him. He played football at Eastern Michigan, so maybe 
Yeah, he went to Colleyville. Yeah, he's a lo- he's a local guy. We can. We, I went to I went to college at OSU with a bunch of kids from Colleyville, so we'll we'll consider him an honorary cowboy. But uh, it's a great point you bring up with with Malcolm Rodriguez, like similar to what I brought up with Jason Taylor and his ball instincts. You just can't teach that. Uh, you can't teach having that dog inside you. You can't teach the ability to tackle, as you said, the ability to Brock Martin to hip toss a dude into the stratosphere, an offensive lineman going after the whistle. How about that? Don't forget the hip toss. Hip toss that dude into Plano from Fort Worth. I mean, I mean, again, just I, I love the fact that Mike Gundy used to wrestle and recruits wrestlers. I've said this for years and years on this podcast. Wrestlers are the toughest humans walking God's green earth. And you don't want to be one of those offensive linemen in camp at, in Las Vegas. I'm just telling you that right now because he's in for a tough, tough time against a healthy Brock Martin. Yeah, no, absolutely is. I, I think that Brock will be a fun guy uh, for coaches to watch. You know, you watched Hard Knocks last year, and do you remember the scene where a uh, defensive coordinator's sitting in there, and he's like, look, if he's the best guy, he's the best guy. He's in the right place. <laughs> he's making the tackles. I, I feel like I don't, I, the Hard Knocks probably isn't with Vegas this year, but I feel like if we could get in that defensive room in, in camp, you might hear a coordinator talking about Brock Martin, talking about, look, if he's the best guy, he's the best guy. And uh, that's just <laughs> – him and Malcolm, I think there's a lot of comparables there. Where's the new hard knocks this year? Is it the Jets? Uh, is it? Surely not. No, they were too good. Hmm. They were too good. Well, they, they do it by teams that haven't done it yet, which the Jets have. Four teams are eligible. Looks like the Jets, um, the Bears, the Saints, and the Commies. Yeah. yeah. Those aren't. I mean, I guess the Jets would be interesting. You've got Rodgers there. Rodgers there. It's New York. I mean, uh, Rex Ryan was the best season ever. Now, I don't think Robert Sala is going to be <laughs> Rex Ryan up there on HBO. But who knows? Maybe we'll get some uh, an interesting season out of the Jets. Or one of they they typically pick the team I would not pick. Although the Lions seemingly worked out. Yeah, the Lions were actually surprisingly good, and maybe that was just because. Obviously, we love the Malcolm storyline, but I thought the Lions season was good. Uh, of those teams I, I listed, Jets, Bears, Saints, or Commanders, I would go Jets. Yeah, it, it changed Malcolm's life. I mean, he went from, you know, a really good rookie linebacker on a team nobody really pays attention to, to a household name overnight, really, with the, not only the season he had, but going back to the to the hard knocks. Uh, speaking of the NFL draft, you know, as I mentioned, only two Cowboys taken. Barry Trammell wrote a very interesting article uh, showing that Oklahoma State once again needs to update their recruiting and he's kind of taking the angle Colby I think he's very fair in that he's not just harping on Mike Gundy's entire tenure which we've done on this podcast with recruiting he's more harping on the fact that OU and Texas are gone and that they need to step it up in their absence in terms of what's this going to look like and he graded I believe he gave uh, point totals for seven points for a first round pick six points for a second round pick and so on and Oklahoma State, let me see if I can find it here. Do you have it pulled up? Let me see here. Uh, not the exact stat you're, you're talking about. Yeah, no, he um, he gave them the, those rankings there. Let's see. Okay, over, over the past 12 seasons, he's got TCU with 119 points yeah. for his grading system for the NFL draft, West Virginia with 116, and then a massive 44-point drop, 34-point drop, to get down to Oklahoma State at 82 points, and then Kansas State, another 21 points behind at 61. Um, yeah, Oklahoma State, a better record in the league over that same period of time since 2012 than all of those schools, and yet putting – Fewer players in the draft and uh, not as much high-level talent in the draft as TCU and West Virginia, which which feels odd. 
Yeah, I mean, OSU, as you mentioned, they're, they're second in the league over that span since 2012. Kansas State's third. TCU's fourth. And West Virginia's seventh. And yet, um, I think this is, in light of the way recruiting's gone just in the last year with TCU making the national championship game, I think there's real concern that TCU and Baylor, you know, Baylor's in that, that fertile, rich area in Texas, um, I think there's a chance that this continues with, with those two schools kind of seemingly the first out of the blocks in terms of recruiting now that OU and Texas are no longer going to be in the conference. But the point also is, Colby, that Mike Gunny's a heck of a coach and that they, he's better at evaluating in terms of winning football games. Now, maybe his system doesn't, you know, doesn't translate as well to the NFL, but uh, he doesn't seem to care and the results seemingly don't care either. No, you're absolutely right. And and the recruiting conversation around Oklahoma State football feels – it just feels like we're beating a dead horse, and I get it. Some people like to talk about recruiting. Some people don't. But the reality is, in the new-look Big 12, Oklahoma State needs to be bringing in better players than most of the conference. Oklahoma State shouldn't be getting out-recruited by Texas Tech. There's no reason Texas Tech hasn't had the success. Uh, it's just – it's flatly not as good of a program in what I would argue is not as good of a, a college town. Uh, you shouldn't be getting out-recruited by Texas Tech, by West Virginia, by Iowa State. Uh, nobody's asking you to go out and out-recruit Georgia. Nobody thinks that you're going to be able to do that. Alabama, even Oklahoma and Texas. You're not going to be able to out-recruit those schools. But you should be able to out-recruit West Virginia and Texas Tech. Um, Oklahoma State should be – year in, year out, a top three, down year, top five recruiting school in the Big 12, the new look Big 12 moving forward without OU in Texas. Uh, I think that that has to be the standard, and I hope that Oklahoma State can meet that. Yep, I agree, and I, I'm kind of with you. I, I think it's mostly a, a moot point until there's a new head coach. Uh, it's not changing. Uh, the results has, have seemingly been the same. Uh, Mike Gundy's done a great job despite the results in the NFL draft and the results in the recruiting rankings. And I just think people are kind of in their corners. There's a corner that, like like myself, that thinks this isn't the school that that Mike Gundy inherited with a, with a new stadium being built with a with a program that had no success. He's he's a part of that, uh, but I I feel that they can absolutely recruit better with not only the facilities and everything, but the success that you mentioned. I mean, top ten and win. They, they have not parlayed that success to where it should be. And really even schools that haven't had the same amount of success have are already parlaying it like TCU. We didn't see that big jump after the 2011 season, after the Fiesta Bowl win, after winning the big 12, we kind of thought we would, especially after 2013, they probably should have won the league as well. But really since then it hasn't, they haven't capitalized on it. And I am of the opinion, you watch Mike Boynton walk in here and start recruiting the lights out. Football's much different than, than, than basketball, I understand. I'm not even asking Oklahoma State to recruit at OU or Texas' level by any stretch. Uh, but I, I just don't think we're going to find out what type of job Oklahoma State is recruiting-wise until there's a new head coach. And I don't want that. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see when that happens. Yeah, no, I, I don't want that right now either, Mike Gundy. Uh, it's one bad season. He deserves time to get it back. And, and it's weird because he has – I mean, per recruiting dollar and per recruiting ranking, he has maximized Oklahoma State's talent. But what if the talent was better? And and what if you maximize that talent? It, it's just it's the never ending conversation surrounding Oklahoma State football recruiting. Yeah. And you're right, it's not going to change. Um, as long as you 
as, as long as your down year doesn't turn into a down few years, then I think people will continue to just kind of be okay with it. Uh, you just can't let what happened down the stretch last year turn into a regular thing because that's when people will start to get a little bit restless uh, and, and the recruiting issues will become more of a problem. Winning masks a lot of things. You stop winning, people start getting upset. Yeah, and I mean, you can see the results when they get a Tywin Wallace, a high-level four-star. <laughs> That any good? How about a how about a Des Bryant high level four star? That's just get those at every position. I mean, I know it's not easy, but you gotta you gotta work. You gotta put in the work. You gotta spend some money. Uh, negotiate that. So we'll see. Uh, that's the latest on that. Um, Kenny Gajewski wants to play Bedlam. Uh, some quotes on Pistols firing blogging. Check them out. I love this line here, Colby. He says, uh, "I tried to tell them that we want to play, but I don't have very good luck getting responses." AKA, you know, shove your comments, Joe Harris and Joe Castiglione about, well, we want to play, but we, we they just don't want us. Yeah, come on. Um, two can play this, this he said, she said game. Uh, yeah. And Bedlam softball is actually one that I, I would like to continue. And yes, Oklahoma has had the better of Oklahoma State and Bedlam softball. But I, I think that it is such a measuring stick for your program because Oklahoma has created such a dynasty that. You know, you take those L's, you learn from them, and I think that Oklahoma State's program has been made better by Oklahoma being so elite because you've had to rise to their level. Uh, and, I, again, I just think it's a good measuring stick for your program. Those two schools are going to play three games this weekend in Stillwater. Oklahoma State kind of reeling a little bit on the softball side, took a bad L to North Texas earlier in the week in the non-con. Uh, it's been a struggle for Oklahoma State softball recently, but you've got a chance now to go out and play against Oklahoma. Uh, yes, I, I would like for the people and Norman to pick up the phone. That is a sport where I think it would be good uh, to keep those two schools together. Also, because this state has really embraced softball in a way that I didn't see coming, Carson. And getting the World Series has helped with that. Having the the best program in the country and another top five to ten program in the country for for the better part of, of several years, going on a decade now, probably with Oklahoma. Um, it, it has turned this into a softball crazy state in the months of May uh, and early June in the state of Oklahoma, and I, I hate to see that go away. Yeah, I would too. And you're so right. Like Oklahoma is softball craze, like just like the rest of the country is nowadays, but especially with Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. I mean, it just makes total sense for a sport that, you know, wants and needs attention, even though that's one of the fastest growing. I mean, heck, the guys over at Sooner Scoop called the OU softball team the second most popular team on campus. That's that's the level that softball has risen to. And I, I would think Oklahoma State softball is vastly catching up to a lot of sports on campus as well. That's that just shows you, and in my opinion on Bedlam is just, we ain't playing in football and basketball. Like you severely undercut our entire business operation in a shady backroom deal. And we don't do business with people like that, but sports that are secondary and that frankly need any attention and funding they can get. Why not? They can play non-conference. Yeah, I completely agree. The smaller sports, it, it's good. It's good for both schools. It's good for the brands, uh, and it's good for the fans. Obviously, football and basketball, like you said, it, it's just it's probably not going to happen for a while. Things just got a little sour between both programs. Uh, Oklahoma kind of going the way they did, and, and things were pretty rough a couple of summers ago. Things have smoothed a little bit, but I still don't see football or basketball happening in the near future. But the, the smaller sports, um, the spring sports, certainly – I think it's worth both universities taking a look and saying, look, even if we're not doing football, even if we're not doing men or, men or women's basketball, why not softball? Why not baseball? Um, and, and that's 
you, you can throw both those out there. Those are Bedlam series that have each been dominated by one side with, with Oklahoma and softball and Oklahoma State and baseball. So uh, those sports especially I would really like to see continue. Yep, huge series this weekend. We got Bedlam. Now there is supposed to be some weather on Saturday. Hopefully it avoids uh, Bedlam softball. But uh, Cowgirls started the year 8-0 but have dropped four or six conference games going into Bedlam. So we'll have to see how they, they bounce back from that. Uh, you ready for Bullets and BBs? I am, yeah. I've got my bullet ready to go, and I'm going to give it to J.C. Hoyt, who is still making moves. She goes out in the transfer portal, signs the Big East Freshman of the Year. Kennedy Fauntleroy has signed with Oklahoma State uh, basketball. And, I mean, J.C. Hoyt just goes out. She gets it done. Uh, 10-4-3, two-and-a-half steals. Um, a good player. A good player. Uh, she was with Georgetown last year, and uh, J.C. Hoyt went out and got her. A lot of people wanted her. J.C. Hoyt went out and got her. So, uh, Oklahoma State women's basketball, making moves in the offseason, making moves in the portal. She's getting it, man. She got the bag. She got a new contract after one year. She's getting players out of the portal. J.C. Hoyt's making moves. I like it. Uh, power moves only, like Brett Yormark. Um, I didn't mention that, by the way. Uh, Big 12 playing in Mexico. Do anything for you? Um, That's cool, I guess. I mean, it, it doesn't it doesn't move the needle for me a ton. It's just yeah. uh, the, the new way of things. Try to expand, get, get into different markets. I will say, if you're going to do Big 12 after dark, an Oklahoma State-Texas Tech game in Mexico has to be the move, right? I mean, tortillas oh, flying be- from the Tech fans, Pistol Pete down there on the field with a sombrero. That'd be great. That would be phenomenal. I am in on an Oklahoma State-Texas Tech game in Mexico. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, what do you – is my my bullet? Oh, yeah, yeah my, bullet. my bullet. I almost <laughs> forgot. Uh, how about Taylor Gooch for the second straight week, winning again on the live tour? I mean, Colby, this guy's playing not only the best golf of his life, but I would argue he's a top 15 player at the moment. Could You could convince me to go a little higher based on who's in the teens, but, um, or, you know, from 15 to 10. But man, Taylor Gooch has really elevated his game. And I know it's tough to judge on the live tour. I'm not comparing it to winning a, an elevated event or major, but I mean, he was a top 30 player last year before he moved to live and was contending at majors and. I just think he's he's playing lights out. I think it's a it's a crime what's being done to him by the USGA. They took away his exemption in the US Open, even though he had earned it by making the tour championship last year. But um nonetheless, he's playing the best golf of his career. Yeah, he is. He's playing great. It's it's really it's hard to look at Liv and say, where do these guys slot in? So I pulled up his OWGR profile. The highest he's gotten in his career was right before he went to live. Uh, he was ranked 31st in the world. Uh, I thought he was a little bit higher than that. I thought he had cracked the top 32. 31st is the highest that he'd ever gotten. Now he's won back-to-back weeks on the live, including the back-to-back 62s down in Australia. I, I don't really know what to do with it, though. I don't know. Is he the... 10th best golfer in the world? Is he the 30th best golfer in the world? I really don't know, but he's playing well, uh, and and that's enough said on that front. Um, Carson, I hate to do it, but softball, where you at right now? I I mean, something (laughs) is going wrong on the softball front. They take two or three from Texas, uh, Texas Tech, pardon me, last weekend, losing uh, in extra innings on Saturday, but the game that you dropped to North Texas midweek, I, I don't know if that's looking ahead to Bedlam or what that is, but, uh, I mean, softball was really, really rolling. I mean, they just seemed automatic there for a while. Then they lost five in a row, and now they've lost two of their last four. Uh, I, I mean, that's, what, seven of nine that softball has dropped now? Um, 
this is a cold streak that we haven't seen in a while from Guy Askey's crew. So uh, they're going to get another BB from me with fingers crossed and hopes high that they can take one. If you really are feeling yourselves, take two from Oklahoma. Uh, get this thing back on track because from what we saw about this team earlier in the season, they're too good to lose seven of nine. Way too, way too good. And they and look, maybe maybe they just got a little bored. Maybe they were just looking ahead to that Bedlam series, been waiting on it for you know a full year now. Maybe they were just looking ahead, but I think that's a good one. Uh, I'm gonna give myself a BB. Uh, haven't gotten around to watching the Mario Bogan Tech Kevin Durant game from 07 that we we're gonna do a, a Pistols Rewinding podcast about, which we still will do. We have plenty of time this summer during the dog days, but shame on me. I, I did get married and close on a house in two weeks, so I, I do have a valid excuse, but. I got to do better. BB for myself. Uh, I get the BB this week. Uh, well, we can make it a dual BB. I I kind of haven't had the sense of urgency because I knew you were so busy, but I also have not gotten around uh, to watching the game. It's just, I want to watch it. It's just hard to carve out a couple of hours, but we're going to make it happen uh, sometime in the near future. I, I'll say that. That way I well, can... You don't, it won't take two hours. I, I've done this before. You pull it up on YouTube. True, when there's true. stoppages of plays, you push the arrow, you know, skip five, ten seconds. You can knock it out much quicker than that, I think. I'll say this, though. That's a three-hour basketball game that we're watching with all the overtime. <laughs> it is triple OT. We picked the longest game we could for basketball. I think it is the longest by minutes. I think it would have to be the longest <laughs> game maybe played in Oklahoma State basketball history into the hundreds with uh, three overtimes. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a good one, though. I really am looking forward to watching it. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Yeah, I- I'm with you. Uh, anything else, Cole, before we get out of here? Uh, don't believe so. The Wells Fargo is going on. Victor Hovland, Ricky Fowler, both playing good, not great, but both going to make the cut and be probably five or six back in the league going into the weekend. So hopefully one of those guys gets hot. Are you going to the live tour thing up in Tulsa? Is that next week, uh, week after? I, I am not. Are you going up there? I want to, but I don't really want to pay for a ticket. I thought they might just be giving them away to live. But now that Taylor Gooch is winning every week and you know Charles Howe and Peter Uline are are in the top three along with it's it's the OSU golf tour it's the golf school tour maybe uh tickets might be harder to come by we'll see but I I'd like to but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pay much money to go yeah last year they actually they were giving them away last year tickets were free if you wanted them uh this year I don't think so I haven't looked into it have you looked into it are they expensive I haven't really looked but I think they're around 50 bucks maybe yeah, that feels about right. That that way you're making money charging people, but you're not getting too crazy. Uh, but no, I won't be up there next weekend. Just family stuff. It's it, it's yes, kind of hometown, but it's still a weekend in Tulsa and stuff with family. So yeah, uh, I'm out on that. I'll I'll pick you up some range some range goats gear when I'm up there. <laughs> the or do you want day- fireballs? Do you want fireballs instead of the? Ra- I, I kind of like the range goats pink stuff. That's pretty cool. I think, but the, the color scheme is decent. The the names and the logos are a little goofy, right? I can't believe they settled on what they settled on. It's uh it's pretty weird. Also, uh, I was posting a, a story the other day of the DP World Tour guys resigning their membership, and I used a picture of Sergio Garcia, and it was just a picture from the last live event, and it was like the weirdest yellow red fireballs combination, uh, <laughs> with like long sleeves. It was it Bad. was all. Match, but it was like the most recent tournament, most recent photos of Sergio Garcia was wearing this Fireballs team gear, and it was it was really bad. It's it's terrible. I mean, it, it looks like clip art circa 1998 on Microsoft clip art PowerPoint. It's terrible. So back when you actually clicked on the little clippy to help you with what you were doing. 
Yeah, maybe that's why Gooch went to the Range Goats. Like, I at least got to have a, a cool, cool team logo and colors and stuff. And cool is a loose term, by the way, but it's better than you know, Smash and right. the Majestics and what are some of the what's the other ones? The, the Niblix still around? The the Niblix. Oh, some of them changed their names, so I don't know if Niblix was like your one. Cleeks. Uh, Fireball's the worst. It looks like uh, it looks like a single A minor league baseball team in in Pawtucket. <laughs> well described well said yeah, so all right colby appreciate it we'll get back with you next week yes sir appreciate everybody listening have a great weekend hopefully uh softball gets it done against oklahoma everybody have a great weekend go pokes